0: This is Petey Page. I am Mike. J Mac.
1: Brutal Dudes. There are definitely certain authors, for whatever reason, certain books just become iconic. I always go back to uh, uh, Catcher in the Rye, where I understand at the time why that was a big book. I do not understand why now people still like talk about it and read it. Moby Dick. Um, We're like, I mean, but like, but then as opposed to a book like um, To Kill a Mockingbird, where I understand at the time why it was a big deal and why now, I I mean, I think it's very readable still. Um, A lot of the, um, a lot of the themes and whatever else still resonate. But again, with Catcher in the Ride, it just kind of felt like it was very dated. Um, But still, they're just those books that just continue to be, you know, these, these, uh these, these quote unquote classics.
0: It's, it's the discussion of like the canon, like what is literary canon? What should be literary canon? And then who gets to determine it? I mean, um as an English teacher, I don't think I, in my, so this is my sixth year teaching. I don't believe I, have ever taught anything that's like part of the canon unless I was like absolutely forced to so there was a I took over a te- I usually teach ninth grade I took over a 10th grade class last year and as I was taking the class over the assistant principal was like you are going to be reading Julius Caesar by Shakespeare and I'm like cool I fucking hate Shakespeare and I tried to like be like okay cool yeah and but she was like no no no, no. she's like I have it set up you need to finish the lesson and I was like fuck um Ended up being an interesting book, an intriguing book, but would I teach it again? Maybe not. I, I don't know. I, I would wanna I f- I'd wanna like really explore it and figure out a, a different way of teaching it. Although I did show some like pretty cool clips um like from like Rome, the like HBO show where like Caesar gets assassinated and there's like blood everywhere and the kids are like, Whoa, it's crazy and I'm like, Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um but yeah, like this and the sound. The Caesar salad, yeah, no, but like it's it's that like, um, I agree with you, Robert. I think like To Kill a Mockingbird is really relevant, and I think it that's one of the things that like I would I would love to see read and should be read. Um, but you know, and maybe it's a bias or something like that. Like the the school that I'm at, I'm, um, they're going to be teaching Romeo and Juliet, and I'm like, oh, man, like I get it, I understand why, and I'm sure the kids will probably like it because of the drama. But at the same time, it's just like it's not my bag, man. <laughs> like.
1: No, there were a lot of things that I think were taught in, and, and even when I would be, do my student teaching or my subbing that were being taught to kids, I almost felt like they're not at an age where they can really appreciate it. Like, like like kids that age can't really, I think this may be the reason for Julius Caesar's idea of, of just young love. But um, even stuff like... Um, or wait, wait, did I say Julius Caesar? I meant Romeo and Juliet. But I like, know what you uh, meant, yeah. But, but, but like Julius Caesar or even like Macbeth or Hamlet, um, sometimes that messed up is a little bit more advanced where you're like, why are these ninth to tenth graders? That they, like, like, they're just bored because all they see is just these boring old words on a page. They're not really getting the context. And I guess yeah. it's really just how it was taught. Are you saying
0: they're um, not going to use iambic pentameter in everyday life? <laughs>
1: um well there was a thing so again I, I haven't been part of the teaching and oh so this is what happened too when i basically decided to stop being a substitute and um and then i went and did uh was at the grocery store for a while i basically had to put my certification on hold or no my uh, my, my teaching certificate on hold yeah because otherwise you you know after a while it expires unless you do more uh um, whatever it was like trainings or, or classes and then I realized, well, maybe at some point, maybe I can go back to teaching. <laughs> that's not easy. It's not like you can just instantly, like, you know, send a, an email or make a call and all of a sudden like, like you have to do a lot of other shit yeah. to basically unfreeze your certificate. So that's one of the reasons I never went back into it. But when I had been doing my student teaching, at the time there were like state regs. And I remember that my co op at the time, he he was very creative in how to in how to uh, interpret those state regs. So, we were doing one of these, was a, meter, uh, a, a media literacy class, and it was for high school seniors. Mm-hmm. And so, when we were talking about, like, say, satire, we were using SNL, we, we, we were using the Simpsons. And so, but, and the way he was able to justify that was because, well, this is the state regs. I think they need to be able to do this with satire, and, and mm-hmm. we're teaching it. Um, do they still have the state regs now?
0: Yeah, so they do have, like, so there's, like, the, I mean, there's like, a, there's, like, a common core curriculum, and then there is a, the common core curriculum that has been interpreted for, in, interpreted, interpreted? Yeah, or adjusted for the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, they do still have, like, state regs, and, like, there are very specific, um, I can't remember the name for them now, it's some education buzzword but uh, you need to make sure that there are very, like, you know, what are you teaching and how are you teaching? It falls under this, like, category, you know, you need to make sure that students are, will be able to do a specific thing um, after right. you are done teaching this lesson. Like, you're not just going to, um, like, you're not, you're not just going to um, teach Romeo and Juliet because you really like Shakespeare. Like, there needs to be, like, something behind it that, like, Okay, here's the here's like the real reason that falls under these like rules and regulations of why we are going to be teaching Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think like you know what what sucks is that they use that to like align with the standardized test and it's like oh well then you know if you do X Y and Z then they should be good for the standardized test but like. You know, standardized I'm I'm originally from New York, which is a region state. It's you know, I had to take standardized tests for damn near every subject. So like starting in ninth grade, there was the math two the math one, and then in eleventh grade there was the math two. And then for every science class, there's a regents exam to go along with it. For American history and world history, there was a regents exam. For English, there was one Regents exam, but it was after tenth grade. And so it's like or after 11th, one or the other, but like, yeah, that's a whole nother thing, but like standardized tests are just, they're just, there's bullshit. Like they just test your ability to take a test. Like, can you narrow down the answer? Can you fill in a bubble? Like it's, you know, it's just awful.
2: (laughs) So now that Rob, now that you don't teach, so what do you do besides, is that, do you just write all the time now? Um,
1: I don't, I'm I'm trying to decide how personal to get in this. Uh, years and years and years ago, my wife, she's basically like has um, this weird autoimmune disease where she really can't work. So essentially, mm-hmm. you know, in a perfect world, I I, I do make enough from my writing to basically do it. But because you know this is the wonderful United States of America, health insurance we, we, we is very expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I- basically at this point, And, and, and also when she got sick, it's essentially, we just got, you know, just like, you know, debt really kind of piles up and up and up. So uh fortunately in the last couple of years, we were able to kind of get a lot of that taken care of. I had sold a, a book for a nice chunk of change and, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, what I'm, what I'm doing, my, my day job is um it's always, I forget who I had the conversation with the other day. Cause they were like, Oh, you know, the, cause I guess the idea of a day job <laughs> when you tell someone you're, and I very rarely tell someone I'm a writer because I hate having this conversation, but they always view it as a hobby. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. You know, Oh yeah, you're a writer. That must be fun. And it's like, no, it's not fun. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's really not boring. fun. I hate and it. <laughs> I mean, when I look at my, you know, what actually makes me more money, some years it's the day job. Some years it's the writing, you know, I mean, because there's no consistency, um, earlier this year, um, I knew I had some money coming in because I had sold a book. So I knew there was going to be at least a certain amount of advance. Um, but the rest of the year, you have no idea what's going to happen. Fortunately, I had gotten a bonus because one of my books had met a certain you know number of sales within the first year. So there was a nice you know ch- 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 chunk of change. Uh, I think it was last week, uh, something that we had pitched to Audible. Uh, my agent basically said that we got an offer. Now it has not been finalized yet, but essentially, you know, that's... You know, so, I mean, it's one of those things where you just don't really know what is going to happen. And, and then also a lot of my other stuff, uh, my, my backlist titles, you know, self-publishing, you know, every month, you know, there, there's money coming in there, but some, but some months it's good. Some months it's okay. Um, so it definitely is, a, I don't know. It's pretty crazy, but yeah, with right now with my day job, it's really boring shit. It's, um, basically working for, um, like some, uh, how do I say it without, I don't want to be very specific with what it is, but <laughs> essentially it's it is like insurance type stuff, but it's more okay. like Medicaid insurance. Um, so it's not like I'm working for like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, but it's mostly kind of like, you know, helping individuals um, who, ba- who basically qualify for Medicaid, um, you know, trying to get them uh, help uh, so that they can stay in the communities.
2: It's good, but it's you know it's
1: essentially just like a, it's just a Monday through Friday job, you know, like a nine to five. Um, so the rest of the time, some days where eventually after work, my schedule, I will uh, you know I'll, I'll work around five o'clock. You know, maybe I'll walk the dog depending on what the weather's like, and then I'll take a nap for for a good chunk of a time for maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Get up, have some dinner, maybe watch some TV w- w- with my wife. And then I'll just start working on, you know, if I'm deadline, maybe I might watch like a half hour of TV with her and then start working on something or, or just, you know, um, then I stay up till late probably till like 1am, 2am before I go to bed and then get up the next morning, like around eight. So yeah, that's usually kind of how my, uh, my work schedule is. So, for, you know, in this idea where writing and for some people it is, you know, it is a hobby and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's always funny. Um, I always think of like uh, Danielle Steele. I always heard the story. I don't know how accurate it is, but I believe it's true because I think she had written somewhere where, I mean, anybody knows Danielle Steele is this major best-selling author of like millions and millions and millions of copies worldwide. Uh, she it's, had been at some party and I think it was uh, somebody had come up to her and been basically like, Oh, Oh, you're, Oh, you're still writing. How's that going? And to which she wanted to say like, Oh, you're a heart surgeon. Are you still doing heart surgery?
0: <laughs> That's a that was my mom's favorite favorite writer for a long time, Danielle Steele. Um, and I mean, we had her books all over the house because my mom loved to read, and and I always like was fascinated at how like this person could write so much and put so much out there. But you know, if she's going to go and say a quote like that, then it totally makes sense to me now.
1: Yeah. And because I mean, and the same thing with Daniel Steele, um, because it's, you know, it's romance primarily, probably people look down on her because again, we we go back to the idea of just certain genres. There's definitely a snottiness that comes to more literary stuff, which I love a lot of literary books and there's a lot of writers that I'll read, but there, there is without a doubt, this idea that, you know, literary is is so much better, uh, more refined than say, you know, anything Stephen King writes or Dean Koontz, which my view of of everything is essentially just, I want to entertain, you know, I want to write a book that, that like people will enjoy. Um, And primarily those are more thrillers. Um, You know, am I worried about like spending time, you know, trying to get like um, some like literary quality to it. You know, I just, I just want to write a book that is entertaining. Um, You know, I don't, but, but, But some, but some writers that I know and I'm friends with, you know, they, they, they have a more literary sensibility where it's, you know, they'll say, and again, I kind of think it's bullshit, but you know, they'll say, well, I don't really write the books for the readers. I write them for myself and, you know, and then like, and, 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 you know, they, for them, they just want to be kind of known, you know, their book's still being read in, in like a hundred, 200 years and. For me, it's like in 100, 200 years, I'm going to be dead. I'm not going to give a shit. Like I want, I want people to enjoy my books now and you know make money now when I can you know enjoy that money. And then if people still want to read those books that after I'm done, great. But you know I'm not worried about that you know that legacy aspect. That isn't to say you know I'm I'm going around writing shit. Like I definitely want to make sure <laughs> the books are good. But um, yeah, I mean I, I I definitely know you know the type of genre that I write in and I'm comfortable with that. I I have no issues with that
2: yeah i i feel like the same thing like you were talking about genres it's it's the kind of same thing happens with like chuck Palahniuk and uh christopher moore i love christopher moore's books i think they're hilarious and i think they're really good but like i i recommended it to somebody and she read it and she's like what is this this is shit and i was like it's not shit it's hilarious it's great and she's like but i, I just don't get it i was like it's not to be gotten you just read it and enjoy it it's like it's fun it's supposed to be fun like you're not allowed to have fun because it's a book like, that's, that's such a terrible thing to teach anybody. Like, you should enjoy every book that you read, and if you don't, throw it aside and start another one. There's 8 billion books in the fucking world. You know? There's, there's more yeah. books than there are years in the fucking history of Earth. Like, just fucking read whatever you want, like and enjoy it if you want to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I never understood, like, everyone would always shit on the uh, Twilight books. Um, I mean, I, they're not my... I have no interest in, in reading them, but I always felt like, well... If, if, it, if it gets kids reading and, and, and makes a kid who probably would not have been interested in reading otherwise become aware of books and then maybe start reading other books, like, well, good. I mean, you know, there's no issues with that. Uh, same thing with James Patterson. Everyone always wants to give James Patterson, like, you know, shit. They're like, oh, his books suck. It's like, okay, well, if his books suck, then why is he, you know, why do so many people read them? Um, you know, they, just because something is not for you doesn't necessarily mean it sucks.
2: Right. Like Dan Brown all of my teachers when i was in school shit on Dan brown and i'm like i get it that he's not the greatest writer in the world and like there's some things that are inconsistent in his stories but like i'm sorry man them da vinci code books were really fucking good like i burnt through them like I, I read them in like a week i'm like this is a fucking good book man it's action action it's like that it's like Wee herman action packed <laughs> so, um,
0: yeah i mean so I, I, I kind of agree with you, Robert. Like if it's something that you enjoy and it's something that you want to read, like, you know, who cares what people say about it? Like I have the same conversation with my students when it comes to like anime. Like when they find out that I like to watch anime, they're like, What? And I'm just like, Yeah. And then like, you know, there's always that one kid that's like, anime's fucking stupid. And I look at them and I'm like, You're stupid. I don't say that to them. I can't. Um, I'll lose my job. Um I
2: fucking wish you did. That would make me <laughs> such a legend.
0: But I like I kind of like challenge I, I I challenge them on it. I was like, Yeah, really? Why is it stupid? And then they'll like, and then if they say something, I'm like, Oh, so you've watched it? And then they're like, Oh, but. And it's like, Okay, so you kind of you get them caught in that little like logic loop that their um, young even brain better, cannot people, process.
2: If even better, um, you outsmart young kids. I I like that even better. I take it it's, back, Norse Tale Legend.
0: Listen, if if that's all that I uh you know if that's if that's my legacy outsmarting high schoolers, I'll uh.
1: Yeah, that's uh, pretty good.
0: <laughs> but, like, I made it. Um, but no, I think that like uh, what I wanted to ask, and I mean, I think um, I wanted to know like what drew you to the particular genre that you that you write in, like the um, the kind of like suspense, the like it, it seems it seems very like who who done it and very like thriller. I kind of want like what what brought you to that.
1: So back in high, I think middle school, my first, yeah, yeah, it was middle school. My first Stephen King book was called Insomnia, which if anybody has read Insomnia by Stephen King, it is not the type of book that is a good, you know what I mean? Like for people who are just experiencing Stephen King for the first time, Insomnia is not a good introduction because it is a very thick, I would say it's maybe like 800 pages. It's a very thick, thick, thick book, very dense um, he definitely has a lot of other titles that are much more, uh, accessible in terms of just story-wise. But for whatever reason, I remember seeing it in the uh, grocery store. I told my parents, I think at the time I told my parents, or maybe I had some allowance money, whatever. Um, like I ended up buying it. And I remember I was visiting my grandmother in upstate New York. I was reading outside under this tree in the front yard and I had finished the book and thought to myself, that's what I want to do. Like just that feeling of having finished that book, having experienced that story. I had read other stuff, you know, read like the Hardy, you know, the Hardy Boys books. Um, and I believe around that time, I like in sixth grade, was when Jurassic Park came out. So I ended up reading Jurassic Park. I I ended up going through all of Michael Crichton's stuff. So I had been reading a lot of other stuff and really enjoy. I mean, I love the Michael Crichton books, but uh, my, yeah, my first Stephen too. King was that. I'm sorry.
2: I said Crichton's good. I love Crichton too
1: i went yeah yeah absolutely although although later (laughs) although later michael Crichton, i kind of i don't know maybe i have to go back and revisit it for a while i just i remember when i read airframe I was so excited like oh there's a new michael Crichton book and i read airframes and this sucks (laughs) Um, but maybe it was just the time because i've been finding that too where sometimes just like you know the you know i'll encounter a book and at that time for whatever reason it just doesn't resonate with me and I'll go back later um, a couple years later or 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 whenever it is and I will revisit it and I appreciate it more than when I did the first time around. And probably vice versa. I'm probably books that I probably really loved, you know, 10, 20 years ago if I read now I would be like what the fuck is this.
2: Yeah, hey, Two Cities. I used to love that when I first read it and I read it again recently and I was like this book is not as fun as it was the first time I read it. It's kind of yeah. it's, it's it kind of gives you that reveal and then you're like damn. This isn't fun. Vonnegut, however, which is my favorite author. I can read Vonnegut like all the fucking time, every over and over and over. I love that guy.
1: Um Yeah, no, no. Uh Vonnegut's really good too. Which he, he's I've only read a handful of his books. There's a lot more that I have in to Manchester. There's so many there's so many fucking books. My office is just you know, I have a lot of ebooks, but in terms of just hardcover, paperback books, my office is a mess. My wife's always yelling at me just cuz you can't really move around in there. It's, it's probably a fire hazard. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so having read Stephen King, basically I just kind of felt like, okay, you know, I want to be a horror writer. So a lot of my early stuff is much more horror, supernatural. I kind of fell in with that crowd. A lot of my writer friends, even to this day, are more of the you know, horror, supernatural. But I remember, um, I forget what how old I was, but it, and I think I was just doing still short stories. I would, I, I would publish some stories here and there but I remember two writer friends sitting me down and basically saying like, what are you like? Why are you hanging out with us? They're like, you're not, you're not a horror writer. (laughs) And at the time I kind of like, of was like, it it just, you know, it's like basically someone just telling you that, uh, you know, like, this is your dream. And, and, and like, you know, I don't know. It just felt like I just felt like very, very discouraged. And, um, in retrospect, I kind of saw what they were saying. Where a lot of my stuff was leading was lending itself more towards what I ended up doing, which is more just thrillers, you know, crime, uh, suspense. So a lot of my so that's why a lot of my earlier stuff is is more supernatural horror. But I haven't done any of that since, um, and I don't know why. Um, that's just you know, I, I think at, at some point a lot of writers I know they just eventually kind of fall into. Uh, just the type, of, uh, the type of genres that they like to do. Now, again, there are some other writers that they might bounce back and forth between different genres, and then they find a genre that probably is very successful for them, where then they have to keep writing those books because they sell a lot. And some of those writers, even though they make hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, they're not necessarily happy because they get pigeonholed into writing a certain book where and it's one of those things you have to ask yourself you're like well that's not like a you know that's not like bad thing to have to do but again you know the writing when you're writing professionally it's not a hobby it is work and so you know just like being in a job that might pay well that you kind of you kind of hate doing and it becomes a real um a, a real chore it's the same thing you know with writing when you're you know having to kind of basically write certain types of books where you would rather much prefer writing maybe a different genre or a different type of stories. Was well, the same thing with series. Like, you know, God bless some of these authors who, you know, write 30 books in a series with the same character. Like, I, I enjoy writing series, but I like also writing standalones, just, you know, branching out. Um, I don't know. Did any mean, of that make sense? Yeah,
2: no, that makes perfect sense. I, I was, I feel the same way. I feel like, because uh, so like what you were saying, like with people like stepping out of their genre, I don't know if you read, because you're Stephen King, did you read the book where he follows the Red Sox for a season?
1: So I, I have it because at the time I was buying everything on Stephen King, uh, the author that he co-wrote that with Stuart O'Nan. Yeah, um, I'm friends with. He actually had, he actually had. Um, this was, God, this was a long time ago. I want to say this was in 2004. I think it was 2004. Um, he had been one of the, the uh, writers who judged that short story contest. And I actually won that short story contest and so I ended up kind of knowing him in that direction and me being a very um, uh, novice writer basically being like okay I wrote this book I sent it to him I said like would you be willing to read this and maybe blurb it um, because I thought like well maybe I can get like these you know these blurbs so that when I try to find an agent I can have like oh I have these blurbs ready to go well I remember I sent him this manuscript he was he was nice enough to agree to, to read it he ends up sending back the book to me completely marked up. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, he basically went through, did a line edit of this book, which I still have to this day. And like he had written, I want to say like a page or two or three of just like a letter to me. And I mean, it was one of those things where he didn't have to do that shit. He could have just not, you know. He could have just read a page or two, because because that was another thing too. For a while, I had also uh, read um, like submissions uh, slush, what they call it, for a magazine. Like you know, a- after you do it a certain amount of time, you can tell like the first page or two if a story's worth reading or not just by the uh, the person's grasp on just the written word. And I mean, I'm sure you have that same thing too, which is teaching. You can tell for your students if they even know what they're doing based yeah. on like the first line. Oh, but, yeah. um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, he was kind enough to do that. And, and ever since then, I mean, you know, I've had contact with him. Uh, one time he was down, this was a couple of years ago. He was, you know, when he was on tour, he was in Philly. I went down there I was hanging out with him afterward. And, um, you know, he's a really cool guy, but he's also one that he does a lot of just, you know, very more, you know, quote unquote literary, but he'll also dabble in genre here and there. But uh, but anyway, I'm sorry, Jimmy. So, yeah. So, yeah, the uh, uh, I believe it's called Faithful, that book. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic book. I loved it. It was it was I like Stephen
2: King, too. I'm, I'm a big Stephen King fan, but like that book with with Onan, like they just it's just so good because I'm so the book I'm working on is a baseball book. So I'm going to every ballpark to see a Phillies game in honor of my friend who died of epilepsy. So, uh, mm. but, but I read that book and I was like, this is the type of book that I want my book to be. I want it to be very personal, but at the same time be able to share it with like 50,000 people that are in a stadium, like to, to share the love. And it's like, I felt like they got that. And I feel like if you read Stephen King, like horror, you're not going to know that he's going to get that. But then you read this book and you're like, you can see that he bleeds Red Sox red. And it's like, I feel like if, when you pigeonhole him into that genre, like you'd look at that book and like not want to read it at all and be like, what the fuck does Stephen King know about baseball? But like, he legitimately, it's like reading a different author. Like you you can see the Stephen King isms in it, but like you get, but it's reading this and I feel like it's just so unfair to like pigeonhole somebody. But like you said, I do see how people can like get into a genre that they're comfortable in and be like, well, this is making me money. Like I'm going to keep doing this. Um, So what, so which brings me to my my next question. So, tell us about the new book, man.
1: Oh, hold on. I have a good Stephen King story. Okay, <laughs> uh, this is one he's told, so yes. I'm assuming it's real. But he, um, I think he said that he was at the grocery store, and an old lady came up to him and was like, "I know who you are." He said, "Okay." She's like, "I know who you are. I don't like your books." He like, said, "Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that." She's like, "Why don't you write? Why Why don't you write nice stuff like that? Shawshank Redemption?" And he's like. I did write that. She's like, no, you didn't. And walked away.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember he, he had had that somewhere that he had, uh, he had told that story, which again, I'm assuming it's true. Who knows? It's almost too good to be true. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, like when, yeah, when, 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 di- when, when different seasons came out, essentially, I remember hearing that if you read, if you ever read different seasons, it's four novellas, three of which are more literary um apt people um yeah, I read that one. the the body which was made in the movie stand by me and then the uh, uh rita hayworth and the Shots of redemption which was made into shot of redemption but i guess the uh at that point because he had done something like horror and supernatural they really wanted him to include um some you know some type of supernatural horror story so they're the fourth book in that um in that uh collection i think it was the breathing method i think the but that breathing. one's more of i think a ghost story and what's yeah. funny is that when people think of that collection, they remember, you know, <laughs> uh, like like Stand By Me and like Shawshank Redemption, even App Pupil was turned into a movie. I don't think that that other story, no one even remembers that story. What's that, App Pupil? No, 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 that, uh, that one was turned into a movie. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Supernatural one, I think the Breathing Method or whatever it was called.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I get that confused with the one where he's like dead, but he's like in a coma, and they have him about to go into the... Into the- into the, the, the uh, cremation thing and he's trying to like get the feeling back into his body yeah
1: oh i forget that story and then you know they find not? out because the person touches his penis and it, and it gets hard yep <laughs> yeah yeah i remember yep, yeah pretty good. um so yeah so then the the new book um called bullet country it's part of a series um actually it's part of the when I when I wrote the Holly Lynn series, they kind of have like a sidekick character. The Holly Lynn series is like a female assassin series. Um that's I've only done I think three books and a novella so far of uh which again I think for writers who do series, series can be really smart because that really, you know, writers love or, or, you know, readers love series. And that's why, you know, you have people like uh like, like the Jack Reacher series does so well and and um and the James Patterson with the Alex Cross books, because readers just love I guess you know once they get introduced to a character that that they really like they just like coming back to that because they're very familiar the same reason why you have you know tv shows and movies you know series always do well um you know you, you 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 can jump into it you know who these characters are you don't have to take you know 50 pages or whatever to get like introduce yourself to like all you know brand new main characters so mm-hmm. so series can be really good but uh for me it's just again um you know if i could go back and, and do it all over again i probably would focus just on a series and hopefully be like 10 12 books in on one specific series um although that's always obviously never a guarantee because sometimes even you know even though you might have a series it might not sell that well but yeah people for the most part seem to really enjoy the holly Lynn series but one of the sidekick characters is a guy named nova um i ended up writing kind of a short novel uh that took place between two of the hollywood books and that one was called bullet rain and in the back of my head i just kind of wanted to use that as like a branding so basically i was like well i'm gonna do a couple more uh, uh books in this series that are just going to focus just on him and you know each title is going to have a bullet in it and for whatever reason um i knew the ne- the, the the next book was going to be called bullet country and inevitably um it basically kind of deals with gun culture in the united states which is obviously a very sticky subject yeah and i knew going into it i had to like handle it you know very carefully because i think my readers outside of the united states are probably you know they're not really aware of all the the <laughs> the potential landmines that, that that there are and i remember and actually a reader review uh that i had um gave me, I think like a four out of five stars. And basically was like, this was a great book with one caveat. <laughs> it basically calls out the fact that, you know, despite the fact I really try to keep my own, you know, my own point of view and politics out of it. Um, you know, and I was very conscious too. I even had some of my early readers be like, you know, when, when you're going through this, just like, if there's anything that really sticks out, because again, I wanted to be, you know, deal with the idea of guns in the United States, but, you know, clearly, I don't know. We'll, we'll see it. It's been interesting for the most part. I think people enjoy it, but yeah, it was just kind of walking that fine line of like, how do you write a thriller that specifically addresses gun culture in the United States, but not essentially turn off half of your audience immediately. Yeah, that's so in a way this book might ruin me. I have no idea. <laughs>